Well, turn in your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, and before we come to the Word, let's pray together. Father in heaven, you are faithful. And as we just sang, you are so, so faithful and so, so good. And we pray that as we open your word, that, Lord, you would, again, do something that we cannot do in and of ourselves. And we pray that you would convict us, and convict us especially when it comes to your church. And, Lord, we pray that you would give us soft hearts. We pray that your word would be able to penetrate. And, Father, I pray that you would give us the same passion that you have for your church. And we pray these things in your Son's name. Amen. Well, I want to begin this evening by posing to you a question. And it's an important question. One that I pray that you would have a definitive answer by the end of this weekend. <clears throat> and it's this. Do you love the church? Do you love the church? Are you passionately committed to the people of God in this place? Have you promised to love the church for, for better or worse, for richer or poorer, in sickness and in health? Now you might be asking, why do you ask these questions? It's because this kind of love and devotion ought to be the heart of every single Christian believer. An unwavering priority to cherish God's church. Now, now why is that? Because you might be sitting there in your seat sort of pushing back at these words because you might be saying, well, don't you know, Pastor Danny, that the church, that the church has burned me. It, it has left me out to dry and it, it treated me like a social pariah. The church doesn't care about me, and so why should I care about them? You know, I, when I talk to some of the younger folks in our church, I talk to them about their parents, and I ask them, you know, do your parents go to church? And you know what they say? This is what I get a lot. You know, they used to. You guys have parents that they used to go to church? But then they'll say, well, they, they feel like they got burned by the church. And, and I understand that. There's people who feel as if all they've received from the church is neglect and pain and judgment. And so, so why should I love the church? And the answer is because God loves the church. And if God loves the church as a person who has been regenerated by God and brought from death to life by God and, given, and have been given every spiritual blessing by God, I need to be loving the church. I need to love the church because God loves the church. And there is nowhere else on earth that you will be more closer to heaven than with the church. We are His people. And even though the church is filled with its challenges, even though the people of God will hurt one another and offend one another and even sin against each other, even though the church will be disappointing at times, and though the church in eternity will appear more lovely, you need to hear this. You need to hear this, brothers and sisters. The church will not be loved any more loved. 
God loves the church with all of its spots, wrinkles, and stains. God will not love the church more in heaven than He does here on earth. We need to love the church. We need to love the church because God loves the church. And if my heart is wholly devoted to Him, then I will love the things that He loves. You know, consider those in your life with whom you have a close bond or a relationship. It could be your best friend, or it could be your brother, or your sister, or even a spouse. Do you ever find yourself growing to love the things that they love? You know, you didn't really love it at first, and then slowly through time you're like, huh, I kind of like those things too. Do you ever feel yourself gravitating towards the things that grasp their affection? You know, my oldest daughter, she's nine. She's all about this game on her Nintendo Switch called Animal Crossing, right? And I don't understand the game because there's no objective. And I asked her, I said, who's the bad guy? Because I was kind of messing around. Who's the bad guy and how do I kill him? And she said, no, that's not how you play, Dad. She was getting really annoyed. And so I watched her play this game, and all she does is go around, burying things in the ground, (laughs) chopping trees. She catches these animals in the sea, making houses, talking to funny creatures. And I'm like, this is the game? She's like, yes, this is the game. I said, there's no point to this game. I paid $60 for this game. Why is this game so expensive? Well, months went by. My kids were at school. And I was doing a little cleaning in the house. I, I stumbled upon her Nintendo Switch, and I started to play this game. And uh, that's the song, right? So my brain. I, I built a little house. I'm ashamed right now. I'm really ashamed right now. I really am. Uh, I invited some friends. I started planting some flowers. I'm really ashamed. I'm sorry. I am. But you see, here's the thing. We, we tend to gravitate towards the things that those whom we love are most passionate about. Now, what about our God and Savior, Jesus Christ? He loves the church. And he so loved the church that he gave himself up for her. He so loved the church that he was made a ransom for the church. And he so loves the church that he promised to protect it, Jude 24. That he promised to sustain it, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. That he promised to save it, Acts 20, verse 28. That he promised to build it, Matthew 16. Remember what Jesus said to Peter? Peter, who do the people say that I am? And Peter says, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say Jeremiah. And then Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And how did Jesus respond? He said, I tell you that you're Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And you can just sense in the words of Jesus that he is not interested in building anything other than the church. Which is why, which is why, brothers and sisters, the church can never be something that is simply a part of our lives. That is the wrong way of thinking. But rather the focus of our lives ought to be centered upon the church. 
We must seek not ourselves, but seek first the kingdom. This is biblical, authentic Christianity. This is biblical, authentic faith. Now, what Paul wants to do for us here in Romans chapter 12 is is give us the right perspective of how a person needs to view him or herself in relation to the church. Now, there are a lot of ways in which people view themselves, right? I mean, even coming to the street and just talking to some of you guys and asking guys some uh, some questions, we, we tend to find much of our identity in what we do for work, you know, uh, whether we're married or single or our ethnicity or our culture. But Paul, he tells us something altogether very different. Look with me in chapter 12, verse 3. He says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith God has assigned. And then he says this, verse 4, For as in one body we have many members. How are we to think of ourselves? How are we to think with sober, sober judgment? How are, we, how are we to think soberly of ourselves or rightly of ourselves? And the answer is this, by thinking of ourselves as belonging to a body. That you and I, Christian, we belong, we belong to the body of Christ. Well, well what does that mean to belong to the body of Christ? What does it mean to belong to the church? And my first point is this. Firstly, it means that you are in a relationship with other Christian believers. Verse 4 here says, For as in one body we have, we have many members. And if you notice the end of verse 5 there, individually members of one another. And being members of one another, believers, Christian believers, are in relationship with other Christian believers. And so if you are in a relationship with Jesus Christ, then you are in a relationship with all others who are in a relationship with Jesus Christ. You see that? A natural link is created for those who come into relationship with Jesus Christ and with one another. And so what's undeniable is this, that Jesus Christ is my brother, and you are his brother, and you are his sister. And so therefore, you are my brother, and you are my sister. We then, in belonging to the, in belonging to the body, we, we belong to the family of God. And so when I think soberly, when I think rightly, I find that I cannot think of myself individually, but of myself in relation to my family as a member of another. You see, we're all family here. We are brothers and sisters in relationship with one another. You know, some people have said that me and Pastor Allen, that we look alike. Some of y'all, you're like, ha yeah, y'all kind of do, you know. <laughs> I think Alan gets happy when they say that. <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I, I get happy. I get happy. But again, this, this is something very special we have here, that we are in a relationship with one another. 
And so when we think about our identity, it is found within the body. When you look at the world today, when you think about identity, and you think about all the stuff with identity politics, it, it's, so, it's so out there. But for us, for us as Christians, we think very differently. We ought to think soberly, as it says here. And so we, we, as we think soberly, we understand that our identity is found within the body. And so Danny Bay does not exist alone. And Alan Sy does not exist alone, but only within the body. It's because without the body, I am nothing. Apart from the body, I lose my identity. And so you see, members or parts, they have no meaning. They have no significance apart from the body. Uh, you never see scattered body parts on the ground, right? You don't see that. They don't exist within themselves as they have no life apart from the body. And so you see, there is no such thing as being a member of yourself. You are not your own team. There are no LeBron Jameses in Christianity. I'm a Laker fan and I'm very sad and disappointed this year. But we are not by ourselves. And I know especially during COVID as people were watching church by themselves and the computer screen, again, for some people, they're like, I love this. I could get to be in my pajamas. That's not the body. That's not the body. You are not your own. This is a radically transformative way of living and thinking. And I think this is why when, when Christians separate themselves from the body, they really lose sense of who they really are. And it's because you lose your sense of identity, Christian, when you walk away from the people of God, for you exist only in relation to the people of God. And that's why any attempt to live the Christian life apart from the body of Christ is not just improbable, it's impossible. It's impossible. Hebrews 10, 25, and we're going to look at this tomorrow, exhorts Christians not to neglect the regular meetings they have together, as was the habit of some. And again, it's because the Christian life is lived with the people of God. You know, something I hear often from Christians is this. I need to get out of my Christian bubble. You ever hear that from people? I need to get out of my Christian bubble. And I understand. I understand that. And I think it's important for us to get to know and to make relationships with non-believers that we might win them to Christ. But you got to understand that the Christian life is lived in what is this so-called Christian bubble. It's called the body of Christ. It's called the people of God. It's called the church. And many times when I hear people say that their lives, that they, they want to get out of that Christian bubble, I see that their lives demonstrate not a desire to win others to Christ, but really it's as an excuse to get away from Christ. That's why they say that. Which is kind of telling of the faith that they possess. Christian, you belong to the body. Your, your identity is found within the body. And now let me ask you, is this how you view yourself? You know, I know a lot of younger folks, they don't view themselves this way, but is this how you view yourself? Do you cherish being a part of the people of God here at Lighthouse Community Church? Do you love being joined together to the people of God? 
Christian believer, you, you and I, we, we belong to the body of Christ, a body comprised of different members and parts. And this is how we are to think with sober judgment, that we are in relationship to one another. Well, what does it mean to belong to the body of Christ? It means that we are in, as I said, relationship to one another. Secondly, it means this, that I am not my own and you are not your own. Now, what do you mean? I don't belong to me and you don't belong to you. Rather, I belong to you and you belong to me. We are each other's. And you see, to be conformed to this world would be to say, no, 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 no. I belong to myself. We belong to ourselves. But you see, in the church, we belong to each other. Which means you own me and I own you. When Paul says here in verse 5 that we are individually members of one another, what he means is not only that we are in relationship to one another, but that we also belong to one another. You belong to Jesus Christ. He bought you with His blood. And now that He's bought you, He's given you to all the other members in His body. And so when one member suffers, the whole body suffers. And when one member is honored, all rejoice together, says 1 Corinthians 12. Again, I am you and you is me. And that is really hard to realize because, again, we're very possessive people especially when it comes to ourselves. We're very slow to give ourselves to others, and there's some wisdom in that. I get that. I understand that it's important that we guard our hearts, but you see, when it comes to the body, the emphasis of the Bible, the emphasis of the New Testament is not on guarding yourself in the body, but giving yourself to the body. You know, one of the difficult things for us, some of us here who grew up in Asian families and Asian churches, is that, the culture, and this is true for a lot of other cultures, we're taught not to give ourselves away, but to keep our personal lives and our problems and our pains to ourselves, right? To keep quiet about things. And you see, that dangerous mentality comes at the expense of the body. And I realize it's not an Asian thing. It's not. It's a sinful human nature thing. C.S. Lewis, he, he writes in the book, The Four Loves, listen to what he writes. He says this, To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. Your heart will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. And Lewis, he goes on to say, the alternative to tragedy, or at least to the risk of tragedy, is damnation. The only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers and worries of love is hell. And so, Christian, are you doing that? Are you cultivating your heart to be unbreakable? And are you refusing to give yourself away to the people of God? 
Or are the people that surround you, even in this room, the people for, for whom you have the greatest affection for? That when you look around here in this room, you can't help but love the people around you because to you, they are your family. And this is at the very center what it means to be about the church. You know, having talked to some of you, it appears that many of you have been attending Lighthouse Community Church for, you know, just the folks that I've talked to, about less than two years. Some of you guys, months. Here's some wisdom for you. Make it a priority, if you haven't already, to become a member of this church if this is where you want to stay. At its very basic level, church membership consists of those who have promised to love each other. And so if you're not a member here in this church and this is the place where you want to be, I, I would highly, highly you know, encourage you, be a member here at this church. The way in which God has divinely and tangibly expressed this love within the body of Christ is through, is through the gathering of the local church. You see, when a Christian comes to saving faith in Jesus Christ, they are brought into the body of Christ. And as the new Christian is united to Jesus Christ, he or she is consequently united to others who have come to trust and love Jesus Christ. And this body is physically displayed through the local church. And that's why the local church is so important. And it's within the local church that believers promise and they covenant to love one another as they live among one another and as they give their lives for one another. That's the church. And God has so designed the church that it is the God-ordained means by which you, as a Christian, grow. So if you want to grow, this is the place to grow within the church. Because it's the church from where you sit under the instruction of the Word of God. It's where you're able to live out the one another's, serving one another, edifying one another. It's where fellowship is received and experienced. It's where you receive real accountability as you submit yourself to the love and care of your elders or your pastors or your under-shepherds or your Christian brothers and sisters. And so Christian growth does not happen apart from the local church. It's because the local church, the church is God's plan and will for by which you as a Christian, you will grow. You know, sometimes people will ask me, is my, is my Christianity deficient if I'm not connected and tied to a faithful local church? And my answer is yes, it's deficient. It's because you are forfeiting God's grace to you through the church body. And I believe to live outside the body, it is not an option. Now you ask me, why, why do I feel so strongly, so strongly about church and church membership and to be a part of the church? It's because it helps make clear who are and who are not the people of God. You know, from the very beginning of Scripture, God made a sharp distinction between those who were faithful and those who were not, those who were believing and those who were unbelieving. And this distinction was made when the first man and the first woman committed the first sin, Adam and Eve. 
and you'll remember the story, as a result of their sin and the breaking of fellowship with God, they were taken, remember, outside the garden. And Genesis chapter 3, verse 24 says that God drove the man out of the garden. The man and the woman went from being in the garden to now being outside of the garden. And so there was that distinction. There was the inside of the garden and there was an outside of the garden. The inside indicating fellowship with God and the outside disfellowship with God. And this idea, you can see it just a few chapters later when God told Noah, take your family and take those animals and go into the ark. And Noah and his family and all the animals, two by two, they entered. And Genesis chapter 7, verse 16 says that God shut him in. God, as it were, closed the door behind Noah and God saved every creature inside of that ark and destroyed every creature outside of that ark with a flood. And again, when God delivered the people of Israel from Egypt and he brought them into the wilderness, there was an inside of the camp and there was an outside of the camp. And if a person was found unclean, God commanded the people to put that person outside of the camp. And so the concept of the inside and the outside is unmistakable when it comes to the church. When we come to the New Testament, there is a distinction between those who are God's people and those who are not. There is an inside of the church and there is an outside of the church. Now leave your finger here and turn with me real quick to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, which is the book right after Romans. And look with me in verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12. Paul writes this, For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? In 1 Corinthians 5, 12, Paul, he challenged uh, the Corinthian believers to judge those who are inside of the church and to leave the judging of those who are outside of the church to God. Well, my question is this. How did the Corinthian believers know who, who was inside of the church? Within that entire community in the city of Corinth, how did they know among all the people there who was inside of the church? It's because those who were inside of the church were those who publicly identified themselves as belonging to the local Corinthian church. And really, that's what membership is, to say, I belong to this church. There was an identification that these people belong to this local church. Uh, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, and it's towards the back of your Bibles, right before James. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. And I think these are passages that are very important when it comes to the church. It says this, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. The reason why I wanted to point this passage out to you because I want you to think about this question. 
if there is no if there is no biblical basis for belonging to a local church or joining a local church or being a member of a local church, whatever, then which specific leaders are Christians to obey and submit themselves to, right? Obey your leaders and submit to them, says Paul. Well, someone could have said, well, who are my leaders? Who are they? Who is my pastor? I love y'all. You guys are great, but I'm not your pastor. Again, no offense. Y'all are very fine, great people. Your pastors are those at Lighthouse Community Church. And why? It's because you've made the decision that the local body there is the body that you yourself are a part of. And so in this community here in the book of Hebrews, he was talking to all these different Jewish Christians. They would have asked, well, who am I supposed to submit to? Who's my leader? But they would have known because it was the church that they were a part of. And the question that for myself and even for Pastor Allen that we need to ask as we think about Christians is, which souls am I as a pastor to keep watch over and at the end of my life give an account for? And that is a serious question. At the end of my life, I don't have to give an account for you, you, you guys. I would like to, it's nice, but, but rather the brothers and sisters at Pillar Baptist Church. And this is a question that, a serious question that demands a clear answer. And even as I look at my own church people, someone might say, oh, oh your people, the people that you have to uh, give an account for, those are the people who show up on Sundays. The people who show up on Sundays? What about the people who show up on Sundays and they, they leave immediately right after the service and I don't even know who they are? How am I to properly keep a watch over their souls if I don't even know who they are? What about the people who come to my church at Pillar Baptist once every two months? What about once every three months? How am I supposed to give an account to them? Think about this. How is Pastor Allen or the other pastors to shepherd and care for those who refuse to commit themselves to his church? He can't. See that? He can't. One of the purposes of being a part of a church is for the practical outworking of this right here to belong to a body and to covenant with the body and to give yourself to the body and to walk with the body and to hold to yourself under the shepherding care of the body. Now thirdly and last, what does it mean to belong to the body of Christ? And you'll notice this all too important phrase if you turn back to Romans chapter 12. You'll notice this phrase there in verse 5. So we though many are one body, and here's the phrase, in Christ. So we, though many, are one body in Christ. The phrase, in Christ Jesus, helps us to define and understand what it means to belong to the body. Well, how so? If you do a word study on the phrase, in Christ Jesus, what you will find is this, that it occurs 216 times in the New Testament. 
And here's just some of what the New Testament says about being in Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.4 We as Christian believers have received grace in Christ Jesus. Romans 3.24 Our redemption is in Christ Jesus. Galatians 2.17 We are justified in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 4.32 We have the forgiveness of sins in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.1 There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17, we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. Romans 6.23, we have eternal life in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.19, God supplies all our needs in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1.3, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is yours in Christ Jesus. Colossians 1.28, you will be presented to God perfect in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.32, we cannot be separated from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Now, what is amazing about Romans chapter 12, verse 5 is, uh, verse 5 is this. He says, you belong to the body in Christ Jesus. In other words, together you have no condemnation. Together you are new creatures. Together you have been justified. Together you have been redeemed. Together, you are presented perfect to God. Together, you are inseparable from God. This is the amazing uniqueness of the body, the church. Not only that we are in relationship together, not only that we belong to one another, but we together share something that we share with no other, that we are in Christ. Which means that what you and I have together, what you have with each other, what we share together is a million times more than what I share with any other person outside of the body in my life. You see the uniqueness? The chasm that exists between me and my unbelieving grandmother and me and my unbelieving best friend is far greater than the chasm that exists between you and me. That's an incredible statement. We have a bond. You have a bond, a connection that is in Christ Jesus that is knit closer together than the relationships we share outside of the body. Which means when we come together, when you come together, when the people of God come together, something special, something unique, something eternal is taking place. Never forget that, Christian. And when you feel discouraged about the church, and when you feel the disconnect when you feel like you don't have community, and when you feel like you're discontented with the church, you need to go back to the gospel to know that I am in Christ, she is in Christ, he is in Christ, and therefore we are in Christ. And we are in a heavenly community, and we share something that we share with no other. We belong to God's family, no matter how a, I may feel or how I might think. Beloved, blood is thicker than water, but Christ is stronger than all. Amen. That's why the church is so important. This is why you cannot neglect the people of God. 
This is why you must never live your life apart from the people of God. This is where you find your identity. This is how you think soberly about yourself. And so Christian, Christian, let us love the church. Let us be passionate about the church. Let us be devoted to the church. And let us give ourselves to the church. Amen. Let's pray together. We thank you for, we thank you for the church. As we understand that there is no entity, there is no entity that will make it to heaven but the church. We thank you for revealing to us just the uniqueness the the power that exists within the body of Christ the bond that we share i pray for i pray for the young i pray for the men and women here in this room that you would give to them lord the the, the kind of heart that you have for the church I pray that they would give themselves to the church and they would love the church and they would commit themselves to the church knowing that this is where they belong no matter how they may feel. And so Father, we thank you for the church and we thank you for Christ our Savior who gave himself up for her and it's him that we worship and we worship Him together, and we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.